the guy was talking about the advantage of having a good voice. A good voice. Excuse me. A good voice. Right. Uh, <laughs> Ironic. <which> he, yeah. <laughs> um, he was saying that, you know, that uh, when it comes to, you know, all these biases that people focus on, these advantages that people have of being tall or being white or being male or whatever, there are advantages in having a good voice versus a, a bad voice. Right. And yeah. people pay more attention to people with a good voice and yeah. so forth. Yeah. So, um, so it made me think more about getting the microphone closer. Yeah. <laughs> so there. Yeah. I can make people feel things by just going a little <laughs> deeper. You know, <laughs> you know I, look, I, I had a cousin say to me, I was at my aunt's funeral <laughs> last month, and he says to me, oh, man, you know, I love your stuff on you know social media. He says, it's so relaxing. I, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I like to listen to it and just kind of go to sleep you know and I said, yeah, well, good. You know, maybe that's the issue yeah i've got a i've got a new career you know and for you know lullaby <laughs> oh god it's like my father-in-law said to me you know when he he says when my first book came out he says you know i've been trying to read your book but i read it at night and i keep falling asleep you know and i said yeah. so i've got this whole second career of uh you know, sleep aids. No. Sleep aids. Yeah. Well, speaking of ego, because um, <laughs> I'm definitely going to keep all of that yeah. before. Yeah. Um, you need to yeah. keep it. This is the treasure. You're gold. This is gold. The yes. Yeah. Um, so as we mentioned, I got all my anger out in the last episode, so there we can have a little fun here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us once again on the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. And we are doing a continuation of last week where now we're going to talk about ego. Um, what is it? And um, kind of some of the misnomers, but really we're looking for change here. And how do we work with the ego instead of against it? Yeah, so I'm going to put a little twist on this, Greek, uh, because, you know, we're going to touch on the, the idea of ego, but uh, I think it's more about do we work with the personality or against it? Okay. okay. How would you right. differentiate the ego and the personality? Then? Well, see, one of the problems with the word ego is that it has a lot of different meanings. Okay. And uh, I mean, literally, it just means I. Okay. So, mm -hmm. um, and people can see it as a construct right? This, this construct, psychological construct that we put together that is the result of a whole bunch of childhood dynamics, some of which are rejection of, you know, the quote-unquote original self in the, the sense of Winnicott, right? Where the child says, okay, this behavior is not getting me love, so I'm going to you know, go to this behavior instead. But that doesn't feel like the real me, and it sets up this, you know, this stress. So that's one version of it. Okay. Colloquially, we think of people who have a quote unquote big ego and, you know, meaning they're full of themselves. And uh, why are you looking at me? I'm always looking say, at you um, when we're recording the episodes. <laughs> and Creek, you have no idea. Uh, okay. I have so, two of you so in the same place. <laughs> So it's just my ego that's making me think that you're thinking yeah. about me, right? Uh, when you're mm -hmm. you're looking at the camera, right? So, so, so the ego is this, you know, can be just this sense of self. So whenever we're talking about the ego, we have to talk about what version of the word are we mm -hmm. talking about? Okay. So you know, when we talk about getting rid of the ego, 
Well, if we're talking about becoming a bit less pompous and a bit less, you know, arrogant and so forth, okay, that's fine. But if we're thinking about this sense of self, this sense of I-ness, well, we don't want to get rid of that, right? Right. You know, because there has to be something there that gives you this sense of going on being, right? This sense of consistency. I am Mario, you are Creek, and you are Mario Jose, and I have some sense of I-ness. So, you know, um, uh, Almas, in his book, Essence, one of his early books, uh, talks about this really well, and he talks about clarifying the ego, right? And I think here we're veering into where we're talking a little about, about personality style, right? And clarifying in the sense of cooking it down to its fundamental, to its essence, for lack of a better word. Uh, you can clarify butter if you're cooking, right? Meaning you cook all the impurities out of it and you have something that's more pure. It never goes away. The ego never goes away. The eye never goes away. But we can clean off the junk. Right? It's never not going to be butter. It's never not going to be butter. You're absolutely right. Okay. Um, so, but you get rid of some of the impurities. Which is not right? um, like the false part of the butter. And and I think that's what no. people refer to when they talk about getting mm -hmm. rid of the ego. Like if we were split between these, what people call false self and true self, and we need to get just stay yeah. with the true self, uncover it, and get rid of the false self, which is a construct. Yeah, and, and, and I, you know, and I think that's, confusing, misleading, and distracting language when we hear people talking about a false self and a real self um, because there's only you. And there are mm -hmm. the things that you're doing and the thoughts that you're having and the feelings that you're feeling. And they vary from time to time, but they're still you. Okay. Now, again, we might have talked about this in an earlier episode, but even this idea of false self and true self has different meanings. Uh, the classic one, the most sort of accepted one from the perspective of psychology, again, is Winnicott's idea that the child, you know, the, the child is untamed in a sense. And in order to be socialized, it needs to be tamed. But in being tamed, it feels like it's giving up it's, you know, uh, who it really is. But, you know, we don't want those untamed children around us. We don't want to be around adults who are re-embracing these childish impulses and desires and expectations on other people, right? So that's not something to go back to. So we, we shouldn't fall into this idea of getting rid of one thing and letting something else reemerge. What we should be talking about is how do I grow from where I am? You can't turn butter back into milk. There you go. Just I'm just going to keep rolling on this. <laughs> and clarifying butter, right, gives it a higher smoke point. So it's more resilient to heat. Um, now we can talk about brown butter, which is just so delicious. <laughs> right. Okay, I'm done. Um <laughs> Is it Irish grass-fed, or are we talking about your everyday grocery store butter? 
<laughs> and and so I have no idea what you're I talking do. about. But, uh, okay, but, but, but I'm going to draw a line. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to draw a line from where you're going to where I um, want to take us. <laughs> where I want to, to what I want to talk about. <laughs> and it's this <laughs> it's this idea that if we want to change, we need to move towards something that appeals to us but do it in a healthy way rather mm -hmm. than fall into an aversive mode okay now you can get somebody to change through fear and threat and uh expectation of loss but they're resistant to it and they will probably revert back when that fear goes away but if you can point to something better in the future that is still satisfying of their fundamental values, that's when you get real growth out of people. And that's why when we talk about working with the Enneagram, we talk about using the strategy, but in a more adaptive way, rather than rejecting the personality style, rather than rejecting the quote unquote ego, because you just can't do that. It's not, it's not sustainable. Yeah, and you waste mm -hmm. so much energy in that rejection that it's just not efficient. And, and yeah. these going or moving toward rather than against, I think, works at different levels when we're talking about change. Like when, for example, I'm working with uh, a client, like I have a type 3 client who, wanted, who wants, continuously wants to uh, have more time to do other things from, uh, other than work and like exercising or spending time with his family. And the expectation is that when I am able to free some time up, I'll do those things. And it's like, I shouldn't be doing these things instead of saying, okay, I'll work out three times a week and then the rest will kind of fall in, into place anyway, because that's what I'm moving towards. That's, it's more exciting to think that I'm going to do these things that I enjoy than saying, oh, I need to be more effective and I need to work less and I need to do these things that change who, who I am or what I'm doing. What's an example of working against versus working towards, like a, a, an actual example? So I, I remember um, listening to an Enneagram teacher talk about uh, rejecting their instinct, okay? And, and I think he was talking about the, this sexual instinct or something, but he said, he said, you have to tell it, no, you can't do that. No, stop, right? Well, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's just... How often does that work with a kid? It ain't going to work. Right. And, yeah. it, it, you know, it always makes me think of, of, of St. Augustine and his famous quote, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. Right. Because, you know, Augustine was living the high life. You know, he was born into a wealthy family and he was partying and doing all the things that young men do. But there was this other part of him that's thinking, you know, eh, God's calling. And so I know I have to give all this stuff up. But let's talk again tomorrow. Right. So, in, you know, whenever we start to demonize and reject, 
we push things into the shadow, we repress things that come out later, or we just say, you know what, I don't want to do that. And we stop. So instead, what we need to do is recognize what's important to us. When we're talking about broad concepts like an instinct or instinctual bias, as we call it, and that you need to repress it or I think they said tame. It's a whole cluster of behaviors, which some of them are really yes. good. You need them. Yes. So yes. if we're kind of identifying a few behaviors as the whole thing, we're missing all the other things that do work. So there's a problem yes. with mm -hmm. that as well. Yeah, it was that that comment was just stupid on every level. Not you know, not I your know. comment, but the comment we're referring to by <laughs> by that any wow. teacher. Yeah, um, okay. you know, and, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it was it was falling into this idea that the quote unquote sexual instinct is just one thing, right? And that it would listen to us for some reason, like, you know, like, a, you know, I don't even know where to go with that. Okay. So, mm -hmm. um, but if, if we look at this in a more relevant way to the podcast, um, we can't reject our Enneagram type and we shouldn't try. We should not demonize our bias to rely on one of the strategies more than the other eight. Because okay. they serve a purpose, and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's like it's like you know, if you're running a business, you have to pick a strategy. Okay, mm -hmm. and in life, you've got to pick a strategy too, because you can't be completely different all the time. I mean, imagine, you know, Maria Jose and I are married. You're not Creek, but uh, you know, imagine if you know your spouse was completely different the next day. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you might like it, but you know, not not really. But it would be disorienting, and it would be weird, and it just isn't going to happen anyway. Okay, so what we need to learn to do is recognize that this preferred strategy is the root of some of the things that we feel best about ourselves that help us feel like I'm going to make it through life, and if I try to reject that. I'm not going to change. But instead, what I need to do is figure out how to change a specific behavior. Back to Maria Jose's point. Okay. And then frame it in a way that helps me satisfy, in my case, feeling more powerful, but in an adaptive way. What we crave is predictability. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why, that's why the, the type strategy is so alluring is because even if it is a maladaptive behavior that is hurting us, right? It's predictable. And and that makes us feel safe. I'm curious for the for those people that are out there that still have they have some level of shame about who they are, about their type, just in general have a difficult time with self-acceptance. What is what's the path to self-acceptance? Get descriptions of the intergram types that are more adaptive, you know, because there's a part of the part of the problem is that the descriptions are quite maladaptive most times. And so get a more comprehensive description of the types, uh, which includes maladaptive and adaptive behaviors. Because if sure. your starting point is all negative, then you'll see all negative in yourself. 
going to be one thing. It's not everything. Yes, I completely agree, Marie Jose. Creek, this, the situation you described is pretty broad, right? So it's hard to sure. say, well, do this, because you'd kind of have to dig into what's going on, okay, uh, you know, at a deeper level. I would say what not to do is try mm-hmm. to find reasons why you're that way necessarily like ah because my mother and my father and this and because that might explain something but i think that you're just that way and you are will be better off if you start thinking about how to change that and not why you are that way which a good start so we're we're touching on the idea of acceptance here right and acceptance is the accelerator for point one on the Enneagram. And it starts with acceptance. If we go back to the previous episode and, you know, not expecting, you know, somebody to understand physics right away to say, okay, well, this is where I am. Acceptance is not resignation. It's not saying, oh, well, you know, I can't hold a job or, oh, well, I can't maintain relationships. That's just how it's going to be for me. That's not acceptance, that's abdication, okay? Instead, what we need to do is say, okay, this is where I am. This is not, this is what's not working in my world. These are the ideas I have about myself. These are the feeling patterns that I keep getting trapped into. And then from there, we have to identify what would I like to be different? Okay, I can't maintain relationships. Which do I want? I want to have better relationships. Okay, what do the people who have good relationships tend to do? How do they behave? How do they act? How do they think about themselves? How do they think about other people? And then you need to start developing those behaviors. Any change starts with, you know, you go to the mall, okay, and you look at the directory. And it says, you are here. Okay. And I can't find the bookstore following the directory if I don't know where I am. Okay. So that little you are here is the first thing I have to find. Okay. Or maybe the second thing after I find where I want to go. And then I have to map out. Okay. I'm here. I want to get there. I got to go this way. I got to turn left. I got to go that way. I got to turn right. And then I'll be there. Where am I? Where do I want to be? What do I have to do to get there? Yeah, and if we go back to your original question, Craig, like how do I get rid of that shame? And I think that what we spoke about in the previous episode about normalizing your behavior, uh, it's also a good start because it's you're just doing what you're sort of programmed to do. And he has good things and he has bad things. And we tend, to, some people tend to look at the bad things, the bad implications, the negative implications, not the positive. So I think that when you see it as a whole package, which has light and dark aspects, you start kind of feeling better about yourself. So in some situations, what I do is really great, but the other side of the coin is not working for me. Would I want to change the first side, what's working? No, but it's a whole package. What, what I think is important to, to name is that self-acceptance is not a light switch. 
Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. I was talking to someone the other day where they were like, I'm just not sure I can get to that self-acceptance. And it's like, well, that that's not what we're going for. for let's start with self-compassion, self-care, being aware, doing things that fulfill you. And then the result is self-acceptance. Yes, It's not a thing that you can practice to do and will yourself forward on it. But there are steps you have to take in order to get there. And right. going back to last episode, self-awareness is just the first step. Okay, Now there are all these things I have to do, and you just mapped out some of them that are you know really good. Okay, mm-hmm. And because if all we think is, well, how do I flip that switch and just, you know, become awake and then that switch happens and then everything will be different? Okay. It's not. Right. Because no. there's work you have to do, incremental work, step by step, hard work day after day, and you make little improvements each day, just like lifting weights. Okay. You don't go into the gym and you know, work out once and then go back the next day and triple your personal best, okay? You move up two pounds a week, five pounds a week, whatever. And over time, you realize, hey, wait a minute, I'm bench pressing twice what I used to, okay? But it's not, you know, and this is how everything works, okay? This is how all self-development and growth takes place. Hard work, structured incremental and often maddeningly slow progress, okay? But progress nonetheless. The Enneagram points us to, you know, Creek, you need to work on this, but Mario needs to work on that, and Maria Jose Mm -hmm. needs to work on that. Okay, that's the beauty of the Enneagram, okay? Yeah. So if 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 I want to build my pecs, I don't do bicep curls, okay? Mm -hmm. It says here, no, do bench presses. I think to go back one more time to oftentimes when people think self-acceptance, it means they, they think it means self-approval. Or self-justification. It, or self-justification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and you can be kind to yourself and also be like, well, this could be better. Yeah, and it's, and it's yeah. that's how I am. I don't like it, but this is it. And, or how I've been behaving. And... Every time I coaching, I'm coaching someone and they tell me or I see in the 360 interviews things that are negative, opportunities for growth, weaknesses. They feel that shame <laughs> you're talking about many times. Not everyone, but many yeah. times. Mm-hmm. And just saying, look, you're a three. I would just expect you to be there. It's just natural. That... That comment changes their kind of body posture and makes them feel lighter to hear that it's normal that they do what they do, even if it's negative. Uh, And it makes such a difference. Without that, change is really hard. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I always tell my clients something very similar, that... Given your personality style, given all the things that have happened to you over the course of your life up to this point, given your circumstances, you are exactly where one would expect you to be. 
okay? Just like if I go into the gym to extend the weightlifting metaphor, okay, analogy, and I bench press 100 pounds. Yeah, I was going to ask you. I can you, be angry. Uh, like, do you want to tell people what you're doing in the gym? <laughs> Bro, what's your bench? No, I, 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 I don't lift weights in the gym. I do kettlebells. But, uh, but I'll just use the analogy of the, of the, you know, the bench press. Okay, I, I'm bench pressing 100 pounds. Right? That's math. Right? It's just it's 100 pounds. It's not 95. It's not 105. Right? It's just okay. It is what it is. And I can be angry about that, and I can be embarrassed about that, and I can be happy about that, whatever I want to be, but it doesn't change the amount of weight I'm lifting. Over time, if I want to bench press 200 pounds, I have to do the work, okay? I I always tell my kids, life is math, right? What goes into this side of the equation equals what comes out on the other side of the equation. And if we want to create some change, we got to change those variables, Okay. If I have three times three, then I get nine whether I like it or not. But if I want 27, I have to change the numbers on the other side. Okay, Three and a nine. Three times nine. Mm-hmm. I think that's 27. Let me check my uh, calculator here. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's just my resistance to the word normal. But I, I found it helpful because sometimes normal means... Average. Um, no. Well, okay, average, but also like, like you haven't. Hmm. I found it more helpful to affirm their logic of it would make sense that you would be doing this, and I, I think sometimes normal has a negative connotation of like, yeah, like you haven't done work or, or you're not making sense. I'm like, yeah, you are. You are that stupid. No, no, what you're doing makes absolute sense. Yeah. Yeah, maybe there's a personal bias there to your resistance. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have your foolish, I don't have your foolish reactivity to the word normal, but, uh, but I would say understandable, right? It's understandable. Okay. Now, there's a great book uh, called "There's Nothing Wrong with You" by Sherry Huber, a Zen teacher, um, that takes a look at this. You know, we fall into, especially you know, our Western um, mindset of good versus evil, right? Good versus bad. This idea of original sin, this idea of needing grace, etc. Um, we have to reject something or sinfulness or whatever that is that keeps us stuck because we're demonizing something that is just what it is, right? It's just it's just one of the variables on one side of the equation. If we just again practice this acceptance and say, "Well, there's nothing wrong with you," but you know, I could benefit from some changes. I could benefit from some improvement. Then that's how you get people to grow, okay? But look, man, the more we demonize things, the more we demonize aspects of ourselves, the more we suffer. Yeah. And continue to be stuck where we are. Yes. Yeah. As soon as you create an antagonist, there's always going to be a battle. Yes. Yeah. All right. So to sum up... Well, let me just say, um, if, if I could. You will that anyway. When we're trying to. <laughs> Who are you trying to when kid? When we're trying to get people to change, we. I was going to say normalize. But, but that's a concept. We, I mean, there's a concept we, called we, normalize or nor, to normalize anyway. Yes. Yes. 
it is. It, it, I, I'm just I'm just trying to you know not get creek distracted here. But uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's just you know look, your preferred strategy is striving to feel unique. Okay, Rio's A striving to feel perfect. Mine is striving to feel powerful. We never tell anybody don't try to feel that way. Okay, because it ain't going to happen. You know, whenever I see people say, oh, the advice you have to give eights is to just be more compassionate and be more vulnerable. Get the, get out of here. Stop. Okay. Just, you've lost me already. Okay. Now, if you can tell an eight, you know what? Power comes in different forms. And sometimes you can be powerful by being compassionate and kind to people and be even more powerful than by being a jerk, then you're going to get the eight to change. Okay? And you're going to get them to be a better person. And you're going to get them to make the world a better place. Now, is that not being spiritual because I'm not rejecting the ego? Uh, I couldn't care less. Okay? Because that's not what I care about. What I care about is helping people grow. So you get them to move toward this thing that's a fundamental part of who they are. Where is it? I don't want to spoil his last words. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. You could say something, Jose. I'll just think of something else to say. <laughs> I know. That so that's why I bother. <laughs> <laughs> just, let's get you two are so this. predictable. <laughs> <laughs> We're like children, aren't we, Craig? Yeah. <laughs> children like a and an old here. married couple at yeah, the same time. <laughs> And brother and sister. It's really weird. It's a weird dynamic over here. Mm. Um, anyways, th thanks, listener, for uh, tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. See you. Thanks for listening to the Awareness to Action Enneagram podcast. If you're interested in more information or talking to Mario, MJ, or myself, feel free to reach out to us through the links in the show notes or by emailing info at awarenesstoaction.com. All episode transcriptions and further information can be found at awarenesstoaction.com slash podcast.